Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. From the feature staff at the Columbus Dispatch, this is Life in the 614. Hi, and welcome to Life in the 614, the official lifestyle podcast of the Features Department at the Columbus Dispatch, coming to you every Thursday. If it sounds like fun, we'll be talking about it. I'm Ryan Smith, Features Editor at the Dispatch, and today I'm joined by my colleague, Lifestyles reporter, Allie Ward. You've chosen a good time to tune in, because this week is going to be epic. How epic? Well, for starters, we've got the Ohio Health Cap City Half Marathon taking place Saturday, beginning and ending downtown. Spectators will have plenty of places to cheer along the route that travels through downtown, the Arena District, and Ohio State University. Last year, more than 14,000 people ran the various races, so that's a lot of tired legs. Equally epic, but a little more relaxing, will be the free Ohioana Book Festival at the Columbus Metropolitan Main Library on Saturday from 10.30 a.m. to 5 p.m. A plethora of of Ohio writers will be on hand, ready to connect with their readers. And for anyone who's seen one of the Lego movies and wishes they were a master builder, well, here's your chance to see some. There's the Lego Design Challenge at the Easton Town Center Food Court. Kids ages 6 to 10, already selected from photos and videos of their work, will compete to become the next 15 members of the creative crew for Legoland Discovery Center Columbus from 9.30 a.m. to 2 p.m. Saturday. But without question, the most epic of epic events taking place this weekend is the release of the long-awaited Avengers Endgame movie, the follow-up to last year's Infinity War, and 20 other movies in the Marvel franchise. Allie and I are super psyched to see the movie and find out who lives and who dies, and if it's really possible to take down the homicidal, genocidal bad guy Thanos. To help us sort through the plot and our own expectations today, we have Dave Philippi, director of the film and video department at the Wexner Center for the Arts, and someone who's seen all the Marvel movies himself. Thanks for joining us, Dave. How excited are you about the latest installment of the series? Well, I'm definitely, you know, with all of the films that have come before, it's going to be, you know, interesting to see how they bring all of this together. You know, everyone seems to know that this is going to be the end of, you know, this phase of Marvel movies. So it'll be really interesting to see how they manage to wrap it all up and, and kind of satisfy all of what the fans have been looking for all of these years. Now, I've seen a lot of the films. I'll venture to say that I've seen most of them, but I haven't seen all of them. There are still a few that I haven't seen. Allie, I think, said that she's seen them all, many of them multiple times, right, Allie? Yes. And what about you? How many have you seen? I think if you consider all of the films since Iron Man, and I guess all the films would be considered, you know, kind of part of the universe. I think I've seen all of them. I was I was looking online um, before I called, and I'm, I think I have seen all of them. And that's a lot of hours. I mean, I think we added it up, and it's <laughs> how many movies, Allie? Well, yeah, I was shocked that there's 22 films, including the new one coming out. I don't know the hours, especially because they all borderline on that two and a half 
plus hour yeah, movies. It get longer and longer, yeah. We're spending weeks of our lives <laughs> watching Marvel. Dave, how did you get into watching this in the first place? I mean, film and cinema is your job. Is this more professional or pleasure? Well, I'd have to say more pleasure. It doesn't really intersect with, you know, what I do at the Wexner Center. We're not going to um, see a special screening of this at the Wexner? <laughs> Actually, I think we did show Black Panther a couple of years ago, but I go to everything. You know, I'll go see almost any movie, and I, unfortunately, I don't have as much time to see first-run movies as I would like, you know, but I usually try to see things that are part of the, you know, kind of national discussion, whether it's, you know, something that might be really controversial or something like this that's just so popular. I just think, I guess in many respects, that is part of my job. I like to kind of, um, you know, know, keep up with trends and things like that to know what, what people are talking about, and I grew up with comics. I remember going to see the Christopher Reeve Superman movie when that first came out. And so anything, and I, and I actually do, you know, um, quite a bit of work with, with comics still as part of my job. And, and so, you know, kind of anything that has to do with comics, I, I pay attention to. And, you know, this obviously just intersects comics with, with movies. So I'm interested in it um, from the start, I guess, just in that respect. And if you maybe take a look at these collection of movies, specifically with Marvel, how do you think, if you take a look at them with your academic class, on maybe looking through that lens, how do you think it's translated? And, and what do you take away from the work that they've done in putting these stories, these comic stories, these classic archetypal stories up on screen? Well, I mean, first thing, you know, and I actually teach a, a history of animation class. And one thing that we talk about, you know, I think it's no coincidence that we've seen this explosion of, of superhero movies in the last you know, 15 years or whatever, it's kind of aligns very nicely with how prolific computer graphics have become and how advanced computer graphics have become. And, you know, a lot of this, the things that we're seeing in these Marvel movies would simply not have been possible or certainly not believable trying to depict them on screen a generation ago. And now it's just, you know, second nature. So all of these, you know, whether it's a person who can, a suit can material, a metal suit can materialize out of nothing to, you know, a character morphing into a, a gigantic green monster or whatever they're just possible now and so I think that's actually a really big part of it and then you know I think anyone that's followed these movies with Iron Man they found just like the perfect kind of register between you know action and humor and and character development and I think that's one reason why a broad public has been responding to these these movies over the years it's not just the comic book fans obviously or, or these films wouldn't, wouldn't be doing this well you know people are attracted to the whole package and you know just by point of comparison, you know, DC cannot get out, DC Comics, you know, in the movies that they've made, you know, Batman um, versus Superman and uh, the Justice League movie and things like that, you know, they're really, you know, flailing in trying to, to kind of mimic that Marvel formula. And like I said, they can't get out of their way. Well, whereas Marvel just seems like they're just locked into kind of the, the perfect marriage of all of these elements to please an audience. One of the things that I think is also kind of unique about this, or may, maybe you'll prove me wrong, is how they've managed to get all of these movies, you know, 22 movies to fit together like a seamless puzzle, you know, where they're all little bits of each is sort of tying into another. Can you think of another series of movies where that's been the case? I mean, I don't think it has been for the James Bond movies, and there were millions of those. There's no precedent. And actually, that's the thing about it that I, in a way, I'm the most interested about it. It is this, it's, it's a producer, you know, Kevin Feige, you know, all of these films have had different directors, and in some cases, some, you know, really 
really accomplished filmmakers, but it's really him kind of tying it all together and and sustaining it. And if you think about, you know, the way Hollywood works with, you know, you know, studio heads, you know, getting fired and actors maybe tired of their contract and quitting something or whatever, you know, the fact that they've been able to sustain this universe for so many films for so many years it's really incredible and even you know if, if you don't like these types of films and if you don't you know like this whole world of characters at all you'd have to be kind of astonished that you know in today's Hollywood that they've been able to you know kind of keep this all tied together for so long now let's get down to the nitty-gritty when it comes to endgame um, I'll ask Ali to address this question first and then Dave I'll give you a chance but what are some of the questions that you have coming into the new movie Ali that you really hope are addressed well, I just want to know who lives because they killed a lot of people in the end of the last one. And it's just like, I, you know, they're not all dead. But I'm pretty excited to see one of my favorite players, Hawkeye, was not in the last film at all. And he is coming back. And in the preview, you see these scenes with Black Widow and him. And I'm very excited because their relationship has been fun to follow over the past couple films. And then something, this is like a long shot, I know. But Loki, who's Thor's brother, and he's the ultimate bad boy in a lot of these films. But he always does something good in the end. And that kind of keeps you coming back to him. And he's also died multiple times throughout the films. So, but he is killed early on in, spoiler alert, it was killed early on in Infinity War. So I like, I don't see him coming back. I think he was one of the ones that like will stay dead. But, you know, I'd really like to see him come back. But I'm just really interested how they're going to wrap all of this up. You know, I kind of, I thought some of the movies in the middle of this whole thing, like Age of Ultron and the Captain America Civil War, where they had these characters kind of going at it. You know, those ones kind of lost me until they did some films like Guardians of the Galaxy and Ant-Man that kind of went back to their Iron Man roots of, you know, kind of putting a lot more of that humor in it. But I really loved Infinity War in terms of they had all these characters that we've loved for so long all come together to fight this one enemy. So I'm excited to kind of see that again, to see, you know, these characters from what I thought for a long time were all these separate worlds, but it was, you know, all this Marvel universe. So I'm excited to see them all come back together. What about you, Dave? Do you have any specific questions that you're wondering about, whether it's a plot line or a specific character? You know, no specific questions just because, you know, having read comics for so long, I know that just because someone died doesn't mean that they're necessarily going to to stay dead. And so I suspect, you know, most, if not all of the characters will come back to life in some way. And and just from reading online, it sounds like at least one or two of the major characters are going to die. The one thing I'm really curious about is, you know, with Black Panther and then I guess it was the the previous Avengers movie, you know, we're introduced to Wakanda. And I I'm hoping that we get kind of a hint of, you know, how that's going to continue to be developed. I think it's a whole universe of characters and stories that I I hope they, you know, kind of keep making standalone Black Panther films to keep that line going. And then ultimately, you know, depending on which characters survive, you know, I I know they're not going to stop making Marvel movies. You know, of course, that's going to continue. And so I think we can guess that the introduction of Captain Marvel means there's going to be more Captain Marvel movies. I think we can assume there's going to be more Black Panther movies. And I doubt this will be hinted at in this movie, but with Disney buying Fox, all of a sudden now you have the X-Men available to this universe and you have... That's what I'm talking about. (laughs) Yeah, and you have the the Fantastic Four available to this universe. And so, again, I doubt it will be hinted at um, in this movie. Maybe it will be, but, you know, I think this whole next phase of Marvel movies, you can start to see, you know, more of these other characters that have not been part of the universe um, introduced. I mean, they've been part of the universe, but in, you know, in their own films. 
Mm-hmm. Well, you referenced this in your answer just a moment ago about how you've read, and I've done the same, that you know one or more characters you know likely will meet their end in this movie. Any guesses as to who that might be, either of you? I have a guess, but I don't even want to say it out loud for it to come true. But, you know, Tony Stark and Iron Man, and he's always just been the one to give it his all and to sacrifice himself. So I could just see that being the end, which I hate because I love, you know, him and Pepper Potts their relationship to I like following the relationships between some of these characters but if I had to pick one that would be the one and I'd be so sad because that that was really the like Dave said was the one who kicked it all off and I'm not a comic book fan I'm not a superhero fan like don't like the Batman don't like the Star Wars but you know Iron Man I saw even before my husband and I were together who's the one that's super duper into all this stuff and you know I just fell in love with it you know all the way back from Iron Man so I would be sad to see him go. He would be my first guess as well, just because he kind of started it all off and and because of, like you said, how close he's come before and and the attitude that he seems to have towards others. What about you, Dave? Any guesses? Yeah, I would say the the logical guesses are Iron Man and Captain America. And you shouldn't even say their character names. You should say Tony Stark and and Steve Rogers, you know, just because we both know those actors are, you know, this is their last film no matter what. And and I think also just in, in, I don't pay as much attention to, to the comics anymore. But it's my understanding that there are, in recent comics, there are replacements for those characters in, in a variety of different ways. Like, I think, you know, the Winter Soldier character, uh, Bucky Barnes, and um, the War Machine, uh, Don Cheadle. In the comics, both of those characters become Iron Man at different points. And so it's not if they want to keep the Iron Man character, there's ways of doing that. I, I take it back. I misspoke. Um, Winter Soldier becomes Captain America and Iron... <laughs> I'm getting this all mixed up, but War Machine becomes Iron Man. So there's, you know, if they want to keep those characters going, they can, even if they don't have Robert Downey Jr. and uh, Chris Evans. Do you think, just to twist the question a little bit, do you think that there's one character that Marvel couldn't do without moving forward? Is there anyone who's essential to the formula and the success that they have? Well, you would think Iron Man, but, you know, we just all said that we think he's going to be Because <laughs> right. um, in a way, you know, his, his position of, you know, being this genius billionaire, you know, he can kind of, he's a, a very handy narrative device, you know, in that, you know, all of a sudden you cut to the next scene and there's a whole new headquarters somewhere. Oh, Tony, you know, Tony Stark built it and, and, and paid for it. And so having that character kind of just removed from the universe would present some problems, I would I would think. And I was going to say Spider-Man too, but, you know, we've had, in recent years, we've had three different actors playing Spider-Man. Now in the comic, well, actually with the animated film that just came out in, in December, into the Spider-Verse with that, the success of that film. And then in the comics, there's a person of color playing Spider-Man. So there's so many options available now, even if it's not the same people behind the mask or the same actors behind the mask, the characters can continue. And there's a new Spider-Man movie already in the works, right? Yeah, it comes out this summer with the same actor that's in Avengers. So Which is kind of confusing because Spider-Man dies at the end of... <laughs> but I've been told that the movie that's coming out this summer takes place before all of this. So lots of different times. I read that. Yeah, I read that somewhere too. So maybe that's... A handy out. Now, this particular movie clocks in just over three hours. It's at three hours and one minute. That one minute, I'm sure, was essential. But this is like <laughs> Lord of the Rings territory. How intimidating is that for you guys? Allie, why don't you start? It's not super intimidating. Like I said before, I think most of these movies have clocked in over two and a half hours. What makes it difficult is my husband and I are trying to see it on Friday and we only have daycare till noon. So we got to go to like an 815 showing because it's three hours long. This is the only 
you know, trying to carve out that much time to see it, you know, when we want to see it right as it, it's opening. So, but I think they can fill that and more with these characters and, and especially with it drawing to an end, you want to kind of see as, as much of it as possible. And Dave, does that matter at all for you, a length of a film like this? We show movies that are five hours, six <laughs> hours. I've been to movies that have to be, you know, divided up over the course of a day. So yeah, the running time doesn't, <laughs> doesn't worry me at all. And what is your advice for someone who maybe hasn't seen many of the other Marvel movies and particularly maybe someone who hasn't seen Infinity Wars? If you haven't seen Infinity Wars, should you skip this until you do? Well, you know, I don't think that the films are that sophisticated that <laughs> a person, you know, needs all of that backstory. But, you know, on, on the flip side of that, I think the reason that they're so popular is that audiences have, you know, kind of formed attachments to these characters. And so, you know, it's probably unrealistic to tell a person to go back and watch all of the films. But, you know, I think if you're going to have the same level of satisfaction as, you know, the people that have been following these films the whole way, you know, you would you would want to do that. And it's funny, I just, I was reading online about, you know, because the, the film is starting to premiere around the world. And, you know, I, I kind of find this hard to believe, but, you know, I've read many, many accounts of, you know, people crying multiple times throughout the movie. So, you know, it's obviously people have been forming, you know, an attachment with these characters. Oh, that means I'm going to be a mess. I, I cry at commercials. <laughs> I don't cry a lot in daily life, but movies and TV get me, man. Do you have plans to see this one yet, Dave? Yeah, my daughter and I want to see it as soon as possible. So hopefully sometime this weekend. So I, here's then a follow-up question for you. I'm the father of a five-year-old and a nine-year-old. How old is your daughter? She's 10. Okay, so... But she's, but she's, you know, for she's been watching these types of movies for a couple of years now. Some of them have been too intense, and then others haven't been. So, you know, just kind of film by film. And you and you were cool with it. She was cool, I should say, with Infinity War. I found that so dark. Oh, yeah, that one didn't phase her at all. I'm trying to think there have been a couple that were maybe a little bit too in, intense for her, um, but that would have been a couple of years ago. So, I mean, now, I mean, she knows that and she's really into comics. So I think nothing that happens in terms of story, you know, freaks her out anymore or is or is too troubling. I think she, she can handle pretty much anything in these films at this point. Outstanding. Well, we will look forward. I, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> right. We'll find out. So I hope it doesn't. Yeah, I hope it doesn't come back to bite us in, in 10 years or something like that. Well, the reviews are starting to come out. So we're going to start taking a look at those. And you can certainly find one in the dispatch. And uh, I think we're all going to look forward to go and check it out ourselves at the theater. We can report back after. Thanks so much exactly. for joining us today, Dave. Yeah, thanks, Dave. You're very welcome. Thank you. And thank you all for listening to Life in the 614. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Google Play Music. We hope to have you back next week. Until then, keep enjoying your own life in the 614. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.